Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. I am happy to welcome Commissioner of Lauder Hill, Melissa P. Dunn, who is ahead of the curve when it comes to returning to work, as we know, now that the vaccine is being given nationwide, there are going to be businesses opening and a lot of people looking for work. Melissa, thank you for joining us. And I'm excited to talk to you about your return to work virtual fair week starting tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it was, you know, we spoke last year, you had done a one day return to work event. And now that you're commissioner, which you weren't when we spoke and congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I understand that there's more you can do and you've got an entire week for return to work as a virtual fair. How did you come up with this concept of taking one whole week and making it a return to work event for people to not just seek out employment, but to learn about resumes and job searches and communication, everything that has to do with jobs? Well, when we did it last September, at the time, I was still a private citizen, private resident in Lauderhill. And um, I just got a couple of my friends together to say, let's do this thing. Well, one of the lessons learned is that by the time the applicants got in front of the employer, they really sometimes were not completely ready to put their best foot forward in the interview. And so the minute I became commissioner, one of my priority was to do this event, but do it better and really not only bring back the same group of women who helped me to put the first event together, but tie in partners from zip codes in Broward County that we know have high unemployment. And so doing that well meant preparing people so that by the time they got to the job fair, their resume was right. They knew how to interview well. They knew how to communicate effectively so that they're putting their best foot forward when they meet the employer. So that's how we ended up making it a whole week of activities instead of just a one day job fair. And you've brought in some amazing partners, Career Source Broward, Prosperity Broward. You've got the OIC of South Florida. What was the process like trying to find these really outstanding partners and bringing them on board with you? Well, to be honest, Ellen, we had a lot of those partners from day one when I was putting this one day event together as a resident. Doing this kind of work is something that I always did. And so when I asked them last year, Prosperity Broward, the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance, Better Concept PR, and a a bunch of other folks, including the Haitian American Chamber. When I asked last year, just as a resident, they said yes. So now that I'm a commissioner. They can't say no. (laughs) (laughs) And I could, well, you know what it is? It's a great cause. We are in the midst of a pandemic and people were suffering and they still are. The unemployment rate in these quote unquote six high unemployment zip codes in Broward County. We are already high before the pandemic. Right. And then the pandemic just made it worse. And at one point, our unemployment rate was just through the roof. And so it was an easy yes, I think. Every partner that we brought to the table, they said yes without hesitation. And when I presented this same plan to a couple of elected officials, they said yes as well. 
And so this is, yes, it's Lauderhill Central, but we have the city of Tamarack, the city of Sunrise, the city of Plantation, and the city of Fort Lauderdale that's partnering with us on this initiative. In addition to that, Senator Perry Thurston is partnering with us, as is Dr. Osgood from the school board. Excellent. So you've got events every single day this week. Can you run through each day and and what people need to do to be involved with each event? Sure. Well, first, if you want to register to take advantage of the workshops or the job fair or the education fair, you can go to returntowork.us. That's return, the number two, work.us. So on Monday at 11.30 a.m., we'll have the resume writing workshop. And then um, at 12.30, we'll have interviewing. So day one, we're teaching you how to get your resume together. We're teaching you how to do a job search and how to interview. And then on Tuesday at 11.30, now we're going to be having a real conversation with folks who are re-entering society after being incarcerated. So that's the re-entry job readiness workshop. And this particular workshop is so needed. A lot of our folks, when they get out of prison and they they come home, they have a hard time finding work. And we know that if you can't work and you can't earn money legally, the temptation to re-offend is astronomical. So we want to make sure that we have service available for them as well. And that's why we want anyone who is re-entering society after being incarcerated to join us on Tuesday, May 11th at 1130 for the re-entry job readiness workshop. That workshop is going to be done by OIC of South Florida. And the cool thing about participating in that workshop is that they're going to tell you about opportunities for you to be enrolled in one of OIC's program that at the end of the program, you will be placed in a job with benefits. That part alone, Ellen, is a real great thing. And actually, I ended up adding this component to the week after meeting with a resident in Lauderhill who heard me talking about this program. And she called me and she said, Commissioner, this is great. But what about those folks who feel left out of the process? And she, a resident, was the one to suggest this to me. And I went to my partners and they were like, you know what, let's do it. So we will have that on Tuesday at 1130. And then on Tuesday afternoon, now we're going to have a higher level policy type conversation about the need for workforce investments Mm -hmm. in order for us to truly have economic recovery from COVID. We can't continue the same way how we did before COVID. We have to make sure that we are planning for the future. We've got to make sure that we create livable wage jobs for people. You know, the days of you being able to work a seven or eight dollar an hour job and kind of sort of get by are gone. So we're going to invite other policymakers and thought leaders to have a real conversation in our town hall on workforce investments on Wednesday evening at around four 
o'clock. And that's going to be streamed live too. So folks can watch it on Facebook as well. Excellent. And then on Wednesday now, we're continuing with the job readiness workshop. This time we're going to be teaching soft skills. So we taught you how to interview. We taught you how to get your resume right. Now let's say that you get the job. Okay. There are certain things that employers are looking for that nobody can train you on, right? Like right. showing up on time, communicating well, having a positive attitude. And then we're also going to teach you how to communicate effectively at work. And the cool thing about that communication style workshop that's being offered by Creative HR Partners is that she's also going to do like a personality assessment with uh-huh. the folks that are in there, which, you know, typically you get that at corporate type events where people are paying a whole lot of money to register. But for us, she's going to offer that complimentary for the folks that are in that workshop, which I think is huge. Yeah. And then now we've gotten your resume together. You learn how to interview and we even imagine that you are going to get that job and we're going (laughs) to teach you how to keep it. So now we think you're ready to get in front of the employer. And so the return to work virtual job fair itself is going to be on Thursday, the 13th from 10 to to 12. At that time, we'll have, my gosh, we have some really amazing employers already lined up ready to hire. For example, my city, City of Lauderdale is hiring. Our police department is hiring. Our fire department is hiring. The city of Sunrise is hiring. Waste management is hiring. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol is hiring. We have a plethora of employers who have jobs. Yeah, and these they're are just great waiting jobs. for the right person. These yeah, are these great, are great companies, yes. A exactly. question about the virtual job fair. How many mm-hmm. people can you handle since it's virtual? There's no limit. So the cool thing about the actual job fair is that that's being hosted by Career Source Broward. And, you know, they do this thing all the time. They have a system that allows them to handle hundreds of applicants. My personal goal is to have 500 people get connected to livable wage jobs. Last year, we did 320. And so this year, I'm hoping that we can get 500 folks connected to jobs. And then to tell you, on Friday now, we'll have the education fair. And the cool thing about the education fair is that it's not just where you can come and learn about higher education. Not everybody's meant to go to college. Some people want to go to trade school. And some people just want an opportunity to apprentice so that they can have some sort of on-the-job training, right? And so we're going to have all three opportunities present on Friday. Can people pick and choose which events they want to go to? Yes, of course. They absolutely can do that. Now, if you are going to be in the job fair on Thursday, we do recommend that you do the other workshops leading up to Thursday. It'll only help you to be prepared. But if you know that you're a great interviewer, you interview well and your resume is on point and you know you know how to communicate well and all you need is to get in front of employers, then only sign up for the job fair on Thursday. Or if you already have a job, but you want to up-level your skills, then only sign up for the education fair. Okay. And this is all free. This is all 100% free to the community. One thing that I do want to make sure that I mention is in the city of Lauderhill, we actually issued a proclamation naming this um, week 
return to work week. I love it. And my colleagues in the city of Plantation and the city of Tamarack has done that as well. And I believe the city of Sunrise in Fort Lauderdale is going to do it. So, you know, when you see cities collaborating, it warms my heart, right? Because at the end of the day, we each individually want to do well, but we need Broward County to do well as well. Yes. It's return the number two work.us. Tomorrow is when all of the job readiness workshops get underway. So you'd still have time to register and participate and choose what events you want to be part of. And even if you already have a job, like Melissa said, if you're looking to upgrade to a better job or even just a change of career, this is an opportunity to find out what's going on and what you need for those changes. Is there anything else the audience should know? They should know that this is a great opportunity that they should take advantage of. And listen, if this is not right for you, I know in this COVID environment, you know somebody who needs a job. You know someone who needs additional training. Spread the word. Encourage them to come and find out not only about the jobs, but about the training as well. So pass it on. All right. So again, return to work.us. Melissa P. Dunn, Lauderhill Commissioner. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to share this with the community. We are now midway through Nurse Appreciation Week, and the folks at Broward Health Imperial Point have given us the opportunity to speak to one of their many fine nurses. It's a way of thanking all the nurses who put themselves on the line every day to take care of us. So I'm very happy to welcome Mary Carlson, RN, CCRN, CNRN, and a clinical education specialist at Broward Health Imperial Point. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Ellen. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for finding time to talk to us today. Pleasure to be here. Well, I have to ask you for what all those letters, RN, CCRN, CNRN, what do they all mean? Well, the CCRN means that I'm certified in critical care, and the CNRN means that I am certified in neuroscience as well. And at the same time, you're now going for your master's degree. How will that expand your career and your opportunities, the things you can do? Well, I think it's important to never stop learning, to continue growth through education. And I think it just can enhance what I'm doing now in supporting our new graduates to be successful in their careers. And I think I'll be able to do that much better with a master's degree in education. Now, you've already been at Broward Health for 27 years. And I don't think anyone stays with one company that long unless they're really happy. So what is it that makes Broward Health special as a place for you as a nurse to work? Well, Broward Health gave me my first opportunity as a new grad. It's an amazing organization. They've been very good to me and I've been good to them. So it's a win-win. They just have supported me through my entire career. I've grown as a nurse, as an assistant nurse manager, and as a clinical education specialist. And they have provided the support for me to do so all along the way. That's a wonderful thing. And obviously, you must love nursing, too. What is it about the nursing profession that drew you to it and that makes you stay there? I love nursing, and I am passionate about nursing. I love everything about it, but I would say mostly it's about making a difference in patients' lives during what may be one of the most difficult times in their lives. No one wakes up one day and decides to become a patient, right? They have a need or an illness that brings them to us. They're vulnerable and scared. And being able to provide quality care in a safe environment and assuring them that they are safe helps to put them at ease, actually, and that makes all the difference. And it's about building a trusting relationship with our patients, and it's truly an honor to be a nurse. It's a calling. 
I love hearing you say that it's about the patient and how they're in a situation they never expected to be in. And as you were saying it, I was thinking you were talking about yourself because right now nurses and doctors have been in a situation that none of us in our lifetime have seen with COVID-19. How has working in the nursing industry changed because of that? There's been a lot of change. I think we're more aware to keep our patients safe. I must say I don't take anything for granted or anyone for granted because life is so precious and so short. I've learned about and experienced the strength of my coworkers during very stressful times and witnessed the team come together to face the difficult days. We have all grown this past year immensely and we have developed strong bonds of support that I believe will remain unbroken. Um, Things are forever changed the way I see it and we just have to move forward together. And have you been able to get everything you need? I know it's been a changing situation over the year. Early on, all the talk was about PPE. We need PPE. Then it was about having the number of beds. And finally, we've got a vaccine. And it's about getting people in and out with their vaccines. Where have you found the most challenges throughout this year? I can honestly say we've had all the PPE that we've needed. Um, I don't remember any shortage at all. We've had all the supplies that we've needed to protect us as well as the patients. The vaccines have gone off. There's been nurses from here that went to the stadium to assist with delivering the vaccines to patients. The challenges, I would say, this past year have been to stay safe. I mean, we've been provided with all the PPE and equipment, as I said, and part of my job is to make sure that we're putting that on correctly. We say donning, that it's that the nurses and everyone is putting the equipment on correctly so that they do stay safe in the rooms. Well, safety is one of the top priorities for Broward Health. Why is that so important for patients and nurses? Patient safety is a top priority, absolutely, and it should be everywhere. It is all of our duties and responsibility to protect all of our patients from harm because first, do no harm. Uh, We want our patients to go home safe as soon as possible. We don't want them to have any falls or hospital-acquired infections. And for nursing, it's just the right thing to do, keeping our patients safe. Do you create bonds with your patients? Do they ever come back and see you when they're feeling better and say, oh, Mary, thank you so much for taking care of me? Absolutely. And as I said before, it's about building those trusting relationships and bonds with our patients. I can't count how many times patients have come back to see us in the ICU and to tell us how grateful they were. And it's just an honor to be a nurse and to care for somebody at the most vulnerable time in their lives is truly an honor. It sounds like the gratification for you overcomes any kind of fear that you might have, that there's so much more positive than anything else in the job. Did that take time to build up or was that just always there for you as a nurse? I think that's a little of both. I think you're a little scared. You know, it develops through experience on how to communicate with patients and family members, but it's out of compassion that you have within yourself uh, to provide that compassionate care. Nursing is a profession that cares for human beings, as I said, at the most difficult time in their lives. It's a calling and it's rewarding to provide compassionate care. So I embrace it. And the nurses that I work with on the floor and in the ICU, we embrace it. We just love what we do. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, and we know that COVID-19 has affected everyone in some way or another. And of course, being on the front lines, you've, you've seen some tragedy. How do you and your nurses keep yourselves balanced when you're dealing with so much trauma in such a short period of time? Well, we support one another. 
first and foremost. We are there for one another, and we support family members. And we have to come up with positive coping mechanisms also, whether we're running a day off, um, go for a swim. We have to maintain those positive coping mechanisms, and then we come back for another day. Yeah. And then on top of your own abilities to be a nurse, you teach the nurses. What is special about that, and what do you try to impart to the new nurses coming into the career? Again, that nursing is a profession that cares for human beings at such a difficult time. It's a calling. I'm here to support them, to develop our new grads, to be successful in their careers. I would tell them to embrace nursing, love what you do, hold on to your passion, never forget that someone mentored you, so be a mentor and pay it forward, grow professionally, never stop learning. It's just a wonderful profession, and it's an honor. It's truly an honor to be a nurse. That is like, I get the chills from hearing things like that. What advice would you give to someone who's a young person who's maybe getting ready to go to college and isn't quite sure what they want to do? They've thought about nursing. What would you say to them in considering a career in nursing that might pull them toward you? Nursing is extremely rewarding to be able to help someone walk when they haven't walked in a week or a month, to see the smile on a family member's face when they walk in and and their loved one is doing better to hold a hand, to just embrace healing and getting better. I got to say, if you're the person who's teaching the nurses at Broward Health, it's understandable why people are happy. You really get the purpose. I, you know, I know the mission of Broward Health is to provide quality health care to the people that they serve and support the needs of physicians and employees. Do you need more nurses, uh, you know, I know for a time there was a shortage just because there was such an overload of patients. Is Broward Health looking for nurses? Broward Health is always looking for nurses as nurses go to school, maybe leave to do other things in education or in critical care, or they move on from floor to floor or to different regions within Broward Health. But we are staffed safe Our numbers are good, I should say, through constant onboarding of new graduates. Their message, that they want to deliver hope with us. And if anyone's interested in becoming a nurse, the website is BrowardHealth.org slash join us. Any special moments that you can tell us about within your career that will just, you know, give us a good, happy feeling to start the day? Oh, there's so many. Over 27 years, I've been in ICU for many of those years, and um, I have so many, many stories that I hold dear to my heart. You know, it has to be fascinating, the things you run into, the people that you see, and the changes that you've seen in the medical industry over 27 years. And yet what it keeps coming back to, what I keep hearing you say, is that it's so gratifying because you're helping people, you're taking care of people. And no matter what the science is, that seems to be the core for you. Absolutely. Compassionate caring is absolutely the core. Mary, if you are representative of all of the nurses at Broward Health, then the patients are in a very good place to be. Again, if you've considered a nursing career, this is a great time to follow up. It is Nurse Appreciation Week. The website, BrowardHealth.org slash join us. Mary Carlson, let me see if I can get all your letters right. R-N-C-C-R-N-C-N-R-N and a clinical education specialist at Broward Health Imperial Point. Is there anything else you would want our audience to know about nursing or Nurse Appreciation Week? Just happy Nurses Week to all the nurses out there. 
Ah, oh, you are a sweetheart. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. And for our final segment of Easy's Community Focus this morning, we are once again looking at Mental Health Awareness Month in May. And Albisu University is one of the key institutions both teaching psychology and providing mental health assistance for those who need it. And with the rise of mental health issues during the pandemic, we wanted to turn to the experts to get some information about mental health and what to do if you or someone you know is experiencing things that you're having difficulty dealing with. I could not be happier to welcome the president of Albisu University, Dr. Jose Ponce. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for your invitation, Ellen. I'm really thrilled to be with you and be uh, through all your listeners. I know that you and the original Albisu University is in uh, San Juan, Puerto uh, Rico. And of course, mm-hmm. we have the first U.S. school was in Miami and is still in Miami. So let me just get right to the issue of mental health. How can people tell that they're having an issue if they don't feel anything physically? Well, Ellen, when someone is experiencing changes in their mood, For example, they feel unusually sad, anxious, or stressed for long periods of time. Or when they experience, or when we experience, changes in our motivation and energy, like don't feel like getting up in the morning or doing things with others. Or when one sees that in terms of relating to people, in terms of behavior, we're having problems with a lot of people, and probably people are saying, you've changed, you're different. There is something wrong with you. I think that tells us something. I think we should be looking for those type of evidence, both in mood, in motivation, and in terms of behavior with others. Now, when you see something like that in someone you know or someone you live with, how do you approach them about seeking assistance if they're not open to it yet? Well, a good way of approaching that is not. being, let's say, judgmental about the behavior, a good way of doing this is probably letting the other person know that there are changes in any of those three or other areas. I'm, I'm just mentioning the most important and how that affects me and or how that affects the home environment, how it affects the work environment, and ask whether he or she is aware that this is happening. So something like, uh, I'm worried about the way in which you are responding to me or the way in which you're reacting. And I don't know if you've been aware of that, but I'm, I'm feeling worried. I feel sad for the things that I'm seeing in you. Instead of, you better change, you're doing huh. something wrong. Right. You see? Yes. So, so that is the rule of thumb. Put it on me. You know, I'm worried. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Me, me. Now, how can you help me to see what's going on and to change your behavior? That would be a basic approach. That is beautiful. Now, we know that so many people have lost their jobs and insurance during the pandemic, and therapy can be expensive. What are some less expensive or sliding scale options for people who do want to seek help? Absolutely, yes. Private psychotherapy can be quite expensive, uh, sometimes even up 
above $100 the hour. And if a person does not have an insurance or if the insurance does not cover those private professionals, then they're welcome to call us in our clinic. It's the Goodman Clinic of the Albisu University, and they can talk to our personnel about their income and, you know, their needs. And we have an income-based sliding scale, okay. and, and we can help them, absolutely. And have you been able to work around the issues with the concerns about spreading COVID-19? Do you have telehealth abilities for those who need? Yes, we do. We have telehealth for those who have either transportation difficulties or who are concerned if they're not vaccinated yet. That is an available option. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I know there are different kinds of assistance that you can seek when you go into the mental health field. I mean, there are therapists, there are sociologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, Mm -hmm. mental health counselors. How can someone know what is the right one for them and what are the differences between them? That's a very good question. I'm going to talk about two areas, two variables, two issues that we need to look at in terms of which type of mental health professional to choose. One of those is the severity of the symptoms, and the other issue is the chronicity. By severity, what I mean is that if the person feels kind of sad because he or she's having problems with, uh, you know, the partner or the boyfriend, the girlfriend, or feels uncomfortable with uh, how things are turning out in life, you can go to a mental health counselor, you can go to a psychologist, you know, there, there are a number of options. But however, if that sadness is quite severe and the person cannot control crime spells, And with the sadness comes severe alterations in your motivation to do things. And you cannot get up in the morning because you feel tired. And because you only slept from 11 o'clock at night until 2.30 in the morning, and you cannot fall asleep again, and you cannot concentrate in your work, and you feel miserable, and you think, I'd rather be dead, then that a reflects what we call a biological depression, meaning that there are psychological things that have happened. There are family issues. There are ideas in, about oneself, low self-esteem or whatever that are there. But those factors, those psychological factors have already filtered down through the nervous system into your whole body. There you need a combination of a psychological intervention to get you out of that frame of mind, and you're going to need medical treatment. Depending upon the severity and the chronicity, meaning this has happened many, many times, probably your general practitioner would like to refer you to a psychiatrist who is the specialist. If it's the first time and it's not that severe as just, you know, painted that clinical picture, if it's mild, your GP, your primary care physician, your gynecologist, your family physician, your internist can help you together with your psychologist or mental health counselor. Do you 
know if the stigma around mental health assistance has diminished since there is so much more need for mental health assistance right now during the pandemic? I would say, yes, it has diminished. Between TV programs, the work that we have been doing in communities, like right now, you know, I'm talking to you about the things that we experience. For example, just to give you an idea, way back in my adolescence, I had a fairly severe period of depression. And that was related to the fact that I was not kind of clicking well in life. And that a transition, which is a process of putting together the old personality you had as a child and the new personality that you need to put together to go into adulthood. When that doesn't click, which is quite frequently in adolescence, you can get depressed, you can get anxious, you can develop kind of like a social phobia. And the thing is that when you are able to talk about this with other individuals, which in the past you couldn't do, now you can do, when you can even send a text message to a friend and say, I feel miserable, you know, mm-hmm. let's talk. That really transmits the fact that we are being much more tolerant, much more open, much more transparent, and much more able to express how we've felt our own psychological stuff and how we've come about to move forward in life. So that openness is there. And that is good progress. And it strikes me that along with that openness, there has to be a greater demand for people working in the industry, careers in mental health. And I'd actually like to talk to you more about that next week. And in the meantime, if you are interested in learning more about Albisu University, simply go to albisu.edu or albisu.edu slash careers. Dr. Jose Ponce, president of Albisu University, I thank you for your time. Thank you, Ellie. And thank you for listening to Easy's Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join me again next Sunday at 6.50 for a new edition of Easy's Community Focus. Happy Mother's Day and have a wonderful day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.